and the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. You just heard right there, Rex and Effect, Rump Shaker, featuring a verse written by Pharrell Williams from N-E-R-D. And before that, an interview with N-E-R-D. Coming up, an interview with the Mars Volta. And here, right now, is one of their favorite bands, Rudimentary Benai. We uh, try to be the Mars Volta. And who's in the Mars Volta? Please introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Cedric. Hello, Cedric. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and who do you have beside you, Cedric? I have a person named Omar Rodriguez. Hello, Omar. Hi. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. <laughs> Hi. So, Omar, has it been all downhill since your band, your previous band at the drive-in, opened for my band, The Evaporators. It's all been downhill. It's been horrible, you know. We've been uh, slumming it on the streets, you know, and just uh, sucking dick for coke, you know. What do you remember about that particular gig there? What do you remember about that gig, Cedric, when uh, your band at the drive-in opened for my band, The Evaporators? Um, I remember our, our, our then-manager was passed out, drunk as hell, with cockroaches uh, crawling all over him when a label was trying to watch us. And sinus. <laughs> that was at Club Mesa and yes. Costa Mesa. Uh -huh. Yeah. And in Costa Mesa, we once saw a small man get hit by a car. Yes. A midget. That's horrible. Yeah, we yeah. did. And we didn't want to play, and they all made fun of us for not wanting to play because we weren't tough enough. <laughs> and we weren't allowed inside the club because we weren't old enough, yes. which is why he asked us for money, and then he walked across the street, and then he got hit by a stingray. Yeah. Well, I, I have to revisit this again, Omar. I have to revisit this. Do you feel like Jimi Hendrix? <laughs> no, not at all. Because remember, Jimi Hendrix opened up for the... Uh, the monkeys. The monkeys. And in that case, the monkeys were the evaporator. <laughs> no, I would have given the monkeys. Yeah. And at the drive-in were Jimi Hendrix. Uh, no. No. No, at the drive-in were the monkeys. <laughs> no, you weren't Jimi Hendrix. And years later, you guys have jumped into the Jimi Hendrix. Electric Lady. Electric, is there some Electric Lady on this brand new LP? Uh, yes, there is. We even mixed it there. 
Oh, yeah, we did mix at Electric Lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for putting up with Canadian rock, the evaporators. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you for making 8-track, uh, you know, cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> but I shouldn't hog all the attention from at the drive-in Mars Volta, because for years, you guys have been pumping Canadian rock. For instance, this gentleman right here, who now lives in Vancouver, his name, the original lead singer, or the second lead singer of Black Flag... The second, it's a, the Chavo is the second. Oh, he is the yeah, second. Uh, Chavo. He lives in Canada now. Is it true? Yes, he lives in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Preacher. Mm-hmm. He actually works at a flag shop. Wow. <laughs> he is a born again Christian. He went from the anarchist cookbook to the Bible, but he's living in Vancouver right here. And what can you say about Chavo here? He is the second singer in Black Flag. Everybody thinks of Henry Rollins or maybe they think of Dez, but Chavo living in Vancouver. He was, he was the best singer for Black Flag, and that's nothing against Henry. Henry is great, but Chavo was, you know. I want to live in America. (laughs) Why did you guys like Chavo as a singer? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it was his uh, ducktail, but then Darby had a ducktail too, so who knows? (laughs) Now, I just liked his voice. I liked his demeanor. Everything about him was just cool as as hell. And you can see him in a decline, right? That's where he makes his appearance, Mm -hmm. in a decline. And you can also see him at the flag shop in Vancouver, BC, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Does he get bugged by people all the time? I don't think anybody knows, but they know now. Would I please have a black flag? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I always want to do, is take Henry Rollins in there with me and then we could go to the flag shop and go shopping but he didn't want to go along with that gag has Rollins been nice to you because I saw you on the Rollins show but I didn't see him interview you he didn't get an interview with him no he was in the side watching but he was nice to us but why don't you get the interview like you didn't even get the interview with Rollins yeah I don't know why you know I have a lot of questions I'd like to ask him I was a big fan of Rollins band like the early early cassettes that he had out Omar, what is the difference between you and Rick Rubin? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all the things that come to my mind right now. (laughs) What are the differences between Omar and Rick Rubin? Mm, Let me see. Um, And we love you, Rick. It's just that uh, Omar's a little more hands-on and uh, uh, is not that concerned with verse-chorus-verse and uh, likes to exercise the ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> and what does Rick Rubin like to do? He likes to lie on the couch a lot. What does Rick Rubin like to do? <laughs> I don't... Rick, Rick Rubin really focuses on the vocal. You know, to him, the vocal is the most important thing, like to most listeners, and the vocal is the band and is the music. So, you know, everything else, okay, throw it to the side, but the vocal <laughs> and the enunciation and the quickness of it and the shortness of it, it's the most important uh, part of the whole recipe or formula or whatever so so he really works you one over then eh Cedric yeah yeah I spent a lot of time with Rick <laughs> how about for the celebrity endorsements Rick Rubin i.e. your recording there was Johnny Cash around at that time no no but he showed us the Hurt video right when it was done so that was kind of nice to see and he was really into Nation of Ulysses which is bizarre he was showing us video cassettes of like old DC shows with them so and then a few years later he gets International Noise Conspiracy doesn't he <laughs> yes he does is he doing them again oh god who knows who cares oh. <laughs> you're laughing at the word International Noise Conspiracy yes. Yes. most people laugh when you mention that name of that band any musician we know laughs when you mention that band Actually, I like the suits I like the suits I prefer the makeup <laughs> Up. Speaking of lyrical stuff put down by Rick Rubin, I want to ask you about some words. What can you tell the people about this mysterious individual, Thomas Pynchon? Oh, Thomas Pynchon's great. 
I, I like him. <laughs> I don't know much about him. I, I bring him up because he's very mysterious. There's very few nobody photos. Knows what he looks like. Yeah, supposedly nobody knows who he looks like. That's what I was curious about, the mystery of Rick Rubin. Is Rick Rubin like Thomas Pynchon? <laughs> like all that mystery associated with him. To me, it's like a giant mystery. Like you've been in there, but to a lot of people, it's like a total mystery. I know. Uh, he, have you ever heard the song, Damn, I Wish I Was Rick Rubin by Mickey Avalon? No, I'd love to. It's got all the dirt. <laughs> so that's what I should go and find. Yeah, that's that's the encyclopedia of Rick Rubin right there. You guys had a keyboard player one time called Linda Good. Oh no, <laughs> no. But she left us for for uh, Lisa Marie Presley. So. <laughs> I was wondering. I was thinking, was she playing in your band at the same time she was playing with Lisa Marie Presley? No, no. And she didn't leave us ever. She oh, was yeah. fired. Yes. I went I went to the studio one day and I saw on her keyboard. I said, "What is this?" There was all these little notes on there. And the notes, she said, oh, those are my notes for when I play with you. And it had uh, all the music written out in, you know, in musical notation. And then it said, this part, play with more feeling. Because <laughs> I had given her that note once. I said, you got to play with more feeling. She had written that down. I said, oh, my God, she has to go play with more feeling. If you need to write that down, <laughs> you have to go. And then... She was with Lisa Marie, and we said, oh, great, now she, she's where she belongs. So had you been doing gigs with her at the same time she was at Lisa Marie? Like, was she leading a double life? That would have been amazing. <laughs> Mars Volta and sneaking out at night for the Lisa Marie. No. <laughs> we no, were the was, nighttime band then. Yeah, sure. no, she was actually playing with Tom Waits at the time, which is the way that we got connected with her. <laughs> However, you've brought in Thomas to be your drummer, and, of course, he's down with the getting jiggy with it. <laughs> what is the connection between Thomas, your drummer, and Will Smith? <laughs> <laughs> he used to play with uh, Jada Pinkett's band. That's what he did. Jada Pinkett's, Jada Pinkett's yeah. metal band, right? Wicked Wisdom. Yes. <laughs> so did you guys headhunt him? We poached him. So did you go to a Wicked Wisdom gig and see him play? Yeah, we sang all the songs. <laughs> I was curious about the audition process for him. Was it really rigorous? Like, did you just bring him to a stadium and say, okay, play? Is that the rigorous audition? Yeah, his, his audition was. I, I actually invited him and told him I just wanted him to meet the group to see if he got along. And he got there, and I had a drum set set up for him. And, and uh, I beatboxed a drum beat to him. And I said, okay, now we're going to go play for an hour in front of all these people. And that was his audition into the band. And did he play to, like, 20,000 people that night? Yeah, fearlessly. Just right off the bat. Right off the bat. Got along with us all and, and played and, and uh, you know, it was great. And speaking of people, you're going to be playing with Flight of the Concords at the Sasquatch Festival. Yes. They're I'm... opening for you. Flight of the Concords. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Flight of Concords. And just the other day, Jim's band, your ex-bandmate was just through here. Sleeper Car. Is he like following you guys on tour? Jim who? Jim Ward. Ward. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that your ex-bandmate? <laughs> I remember him. I remember him. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about my pronunciation. No, it's no, not no, well. No, no, it's not. It's just it's a hard man to remember, but sleeper car sounds about right. Because <laughs> they're hard on your trail. They just played Vancouver a few days ago. Yes. I hope he doesn't show up. <laughs> he likes to show up unannounced. <laughs> Mars Volta, and specifically Omar, could you tell me about the influence of this gentleman right oh. here, Harlow? Did he tell you to start yeah. the guitar? Oh, Larry Harlow. El exigente, wow, and, uh, 45. And Bootleg. Oh. Well, Larry Harlow is the hombre más cabrón en el mundo, bro. Si no conoces a Larry Harlow, you don't know anything, man. He's great. <laughs> is this why? Is that why Omar is here today? Yes, sir, that's why. It's a piano player, but he influences guitar playing, so... 
How long have you been into the Harlow? How did you get into the Harlow? Was it your dad? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. In the household, this was you know uh, this was the good stuff. I mean, the traditional stuff is good too, and and we grew up playing traditional songs. But the the hardcore salsa movement, like Palmeri and Hector Lavoe and Willie Colon and Johnny Pacheco, who of course led them all and led the Fania All Stars. And Harlow was uh, the piano player for the Fania All Stars until Eddie Palmeri took over. So, yeah, they're a great community of people. <laughs> you guys played with System of a. Down. Now, analyzing System of a Down guitar players, what does the System of a Down guitar player use for, like, a box, for a pedal board? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he used. I heard it was so big, he has to have a little guy push it for him. <laughs> Ours is bigger. Have you ever seen that before? Can you verify this, that the pedal board is... How big is your pedal board? My pedal board? <laughs> This is uh, five levels. Do you have a little man there to push it for you? <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm the little man. <laughs> Did you see anybody pushing the pedal board for System of a Down, the guitarist? Uh, this no. is Darren, the guitarist. Uh, no, no, but uh, maybe they're pushing other things, but not that. <laughs> How about on stage? Is there a kettle on stage in Mars Volta? Yes, there is. Hot water. Uh, what are you drinking, though? Would you ever add any tea to that? Or one of your favorite teas? Would you drink chamomile and fall asleep? <laughs> have you ever fallen asleep on stage after drinking chamomile? No, but sometimes if catering just serves pasta, bad people, then I might fall asleep on there. Cedric, you loved Harlow, but you began by loving the band Uglor, didn't you? Yes, I did. From El Paso, Texas. <laughs> there were other influential bands from El Paso, Texas. What can you tell the people about? Yeah, I, I have Who is this? The Rhythm? The Rhythm Pigs. Ed this Ivy. Was our, this was our mentor, Ed Ivy. He, he, he would book our shows, and he I got us to... He's covered by the sticker button. He got us to, good, to grow up a lot, and really <laughs> yeah. taught us a lot, and got us to just think outside of the box and not just be into Mohawks and, and punk rock, and, you know, taught us about jazz and a lot of other things. Because there was a quote from that book, American Hardcore, that said, if you were into alternative culture in El Paso, you would leave El Paso. That's right, and that's what we did. <laughs> and this tattoo right here was made by the guy who did this art right here. I traded a hit of acid for it, and he did the cover for this, Steve Aside. No Paso Hardcore! That's right, man. <laughs> However, you also were influenced, I think. What can you tell the people about Rudimentary Peni? Ah, of course we love Rudimentary Peni. They're great. That's church. That's just, a, you know, everyone should have this album. Too bad it doesn't have the artwork on it. Yeah, it's got that art. crazy schizophrenic, you know, <laughs> little drawings he has. We love Rudimentary Peni. <laughs> Mars Volta, I wanted to ask you about fans. Do fans notice everything? Fans don't know anything. <laughs> or do they notice everything? Yes, they do. They notice whether I've been eating more than I should. They notice what kind of petals we have. They notice whether we've cut our hair, whether we have facial hair or not. Sometimes everything but the music. <laughs> it's interesting. I was checking out the website known as YouTube. Are you familiar with YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> and on YouTube, there was a video of you guys playing, and there were some comments on it. And you were asked at this festival in Holland, what is, quote, your worst experience with festivals yeah, uh, in Holland. And a fan misheard that to be, what's your worst experience with testicles? <laughs> Which made me think, what is your worst experience with testicles? Oh, geez, with testicles? Mm. Let me offer 
this up here, Cedric, because I'm not sure if you're aware of the band The Cynics, a kind of a garage punk band from yes. Pittsburgh, still rocking. Michael of The Cynics had this little story about testicles. I was on the edge of a stage somewhere in Spain, and someone started pulling my leg. I wanted to jump off the stage, but it was pretty high, and it was a kid sitting in a wheelchair, and I thought I was going to get impaled by that. So I tried to keep myself on the stage, and my legs were sliding, and pow! My scrotum hits right on the edge of the stage and sliced my urinal too. There suddenly was a moist feeling in my pants, and I thought I had pissed myself, and I reached my hand down, and it's blood! I ran backstage, pulled down my pants, and it's blood pouring out like a fountain! Profusely. The room later looked like the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, and this is the scary part. The first hospital didn't know what to do. And the next hospital was sticking tubes in me into pee and shit. I spent like two weeks at the hospital. I was really scared, but it worked out fine and healed itself. Wanna see? That's what he says in this interview. So I was curious, have you had anything like that? Have you heard anybody getting injured like that? Like basically, quote, my scrotum hits the edge of the stage and slices my urinal tube. Yeah, no, not that bad, and I'm surprised, knock on wood, but no. No, we can't beat that testicle story, if that's what you're saying. No. <laughs> we can't beat it. Omar, a contemporary influence of you might be the band I Am Spoon Bender right here. <laughs> what can you tell people with I Am Spoon Bender and their very unique cover art that they have here? Um, they had Storm Thurgison do their cover art, if that's what you're referring to. Mm -hmm. Who you also had do some cover art. Yes, we did. We love Storm. And you have some unreleased Storm cover art, don't you? <laughs> I, you know, yeah. We have a couple of unreleased. We, well, I was released into the toilet, in a way. <laughs> so. He ended up releasing it in a book, didn't he? Like, you can actually see your cover art in a book. Yeah, it's that Storm for you. <laughs> Is there Mexican chocolate every show? Yes, there should be. Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes there's... Jermaine, I can't remember his name. There's different ones, but yeah. That's the poster guy, right? The Doing a whole bunch of great posters. Is there a poster for the show tonight in Vancouver? Like, every show you play, there's a poster. That's really cool. How do you coordinate that? We just let them know before the tour begins. Go ahead and do what you got to do, man, because I know fans like it, so. What can you tell the people about Julio Cortazar? Are you into the author Julio Cortazar at all, Omar? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> I don't know this one, but Hops, Hopscotch, of course, is a great book, and... Of course, uh, you know, he changed literature and blah, 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 blah. He's great. <laughs> Another book that you might want to check out this is Progressive Rock Reconsidered. <laughs> it's a brand new book. It's out there. It doesn't have you in there. The closest it gets to you is Don Caballero. Ah, they were a great band. I wanted to ask you, though, about prog rock and stuff. Are you into the band Focus at all? Yeah, I have They do yodeling with their yeah. prog rock. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Someone once accused me of that. And also there's a band, Helden. Have you heard of them? Helden. No, I haven't. Because they have great afros, Helden. I just thought maybe somebody would compare it to Helden. <laughs> no. The band Helden. No. <laughs> Quote, for a bunch of progressive guys, we're just a bunch of... Sissies? Pussies. <laughs> I was close. That's what you guys said after viewing the movie Two Girls, One... Cup. That was your response to that particular movie? Yes, I was trying to get the guys to uh, enjoy the finer things in life. <laughs> Winding up here, I want to ask you about some interesting prog groups. This group I love, Magma. Yes. <laughs> now, Magma are neat because they invented their own language? That's right, that's right. Our, our bass player is friends with the drummer, I think. Yeah. Now, have you guys considered 
about inventing your own language, or do people think you have invented your yeah, own language? Of course, of course, just like Blade Runner, like Edward James Olmos' character. It's Japanese, it's Mexican, it's Spanish, it's it's English. It's everything rolled into one. It's the future of. <laughs> it's our, the border. Also, our, our friend who our first record was about, who, who died in '96, he he had made his own alphabet and had started making his own language before he died. So that was nice too. <laughs> so thank you, Magma, for the inspiration. Yes, they're first. <laughs> but we can't stop with them. We also have our good friends, Universe Zero. Have you heard of this prog rock band is into the bassoon? Don't know them. They're into the instrumental bassoon orchestral oh, type stuff. Okay. <laughs> Probably not my cup of tea. Is it modern? Yes, yeah. pretty modern. Yeah, well, not really. It goes back and forth. But, you know, we're in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and Vancouver is also the home of whose children? This is a hard one. Whose prog rock's children live in Vancouver? John's children? No? Uh, well, John's Children is a great garage yeah, 60s yeah, sort of yeah, band. Yeah, yeah. We're getting close. <laughs> su su I can't think of it. su 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 Oh, God, Phil Collins. Phil Collins' kid! <laughs> yes! Phil Collins' kids are in Vancouver. <laughs> Have you met Phil Collins' kids? He has a son called Simon and a daughter called Jolie Collins. Like, he's an, Simon was once in a band called Chaos Chaos, and Jolie is an actor. Ah, didn't Mm-mm. know that. Have you run into any offspring of, no. not, not that offspring, offspring of the, are you into the Genesis? Because check out this, would you ever do, I love this, you got to give them props for doing this, say the thank you. This is a great album. This is a really great album. Not the, uh, l- the later stuff, because Phil Collins is really a great drummer. <laughs> we also have the Brain Ticket. Are you into the Brain Ticket at all, Mars Volta? Another prog rock band. I just thought I'd show you. The Brain Ticket. No, I've never heard of this one. <laughs> and then, of course, there also is the band Marillion. Marillion. Mm, yeah, oh, yeah, you've heard of them. Yeah. Talking about a Genesis ripoff, right? <laughs> but what's neat about Marillion? They have an album called Foo... Manchu? No, Fugazi. <laughs> Fuga- oh, they do. They have an album called Fugazi. Isn't it weird that Marillion have an album called Fugazi? Well, it is a common military term. But still, though, like prog rock, <laughs> punk rock, because you guys love the Gazi, That's too, right. you know, not that you're prog rock, but still, right. the prog fits in there it in does. the actual scheme of things. Yes, it does. <laughs> and lastly here, I want to ask you about this band right here. This is Canadian prog. I have to show it to you. The Jarvis Street Review. <laughs> Canadian prog. <laughs> Can we take... God, it looks like the singer of Fall Out Boy. No, it's really good, though. It's, it's, it's very expensive. It's very expensive. But I want to mention, because you went touring across Canada and stuff, and the Rhythm Pigs, who you cited as an influence, once covered Gordon Lightfoot's Sundown. They covered Sundown. <laughs> they really? Would you consider doing any Canadian covers? Have you done any Canadian covers at all? Um, what was the one in Canada? What was oh, her name? Yes. What was B- her name? B.J. Snowden. Oh, in yeah. Canada, yeah. We wanted to cover that. We wanted to cover that. She's great. Yeah, that's a Jello Biafra favorite, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So here you are, back in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You've played here a couple times, but in Los Angeles, there's the Schmel Club, and the Schmel Club is taking off, isn't it? Yes, it is, where you go see good music. I just can't believe how big it's got. Like, it's really got a lot more popular, hasn't it, for Los It seems like there's tons happening there. Like, I was checking their website, and it says, don't bother trying to book a gig here. Contact one of the bands already on their bills. Yeah, yeah. that's how uh, exclusive and hip it is. <laughs> but it's got cool that it's actually happening. The all-ages scene, really, for years, it was kind of struggling. But now it's like this kicking ass with the Schmel. Like, bands like No Age signing to Sub Pop and totally repping the Schmel. You guys have played the Schmel quite a bit, haven't you? Or you've on and off? With, with, with At The Drive-In, we... we I think no, we, we might have played... Didn't. No, we didn't? We oh, okay. De facto. Oh, yeah, we played with De Facto there, our dub project. <laughs> have you guys ever met Buckethead at all? No. <laughs> no. You know, the Guns N' Roses yeah, guy, yeah. or the ex-Guns N' Roses guy. No, never, What's never. What's the closest you've come to Buckethead? 
Tommy Stinson? From System because he plays with them, so that's as close as we've gotten to Buckethead. <laughs> so did you perhaps see the chicken coop at all? Did he practice his end? Because no. if you does he really do that? Yeah, he practices in a chicken coop. He's amazing, Buckethead. <laughs> You guys have not used the opportunity of living in Los Angeles to hook up with no, the Buckethead at all. I didn't even know you lived there. <laughs> I wanted to ask you here about this particular group, Throbbing Gristle. Yeah. You love the Gris, don't you? Yes. Oh, yeah. And oh. you love this album because how does this suck people in? Um, because it looks like an easy listening album. It looks really nice, but when you put it on, it's pretty offensive. <laughs> and are you into the Genesis? Have you seen Genesis around? Sadly, his wife died a yes, couple months ago. Yes. He's getting a sex change, isn't he? Have you seen, yes. How is he doing with the sex change? Um, I've seen pictures of him, and uh, he looks okay. Breasts, and he looks more like his, his ex-girlfriend. Well, they look very similar. Because that was the idea, right? So they would be the same type of person? Have you done any gigs with any of those type of bands, like any of the Gristle bands? Have you got anything like that? Mm -mm. No, but we have heard some funny stories from Storm about him because he used to work with hypnosis and uh, something about liking little boys. <laughs> that is interesting because when I interviewed Timothy Leary years ago, he said something about Throbbing Gristle, how he worked with children, how Throbbing Gristle worked with children. So that might be an allusion to that story there. He really said that? Yes, he did say that, and I will give you that proof, too. His nickname was Sleazy Pete. I don't know. Well, who? Timothy Leary? No, 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 him. Sleazy Pete, right? I mean... Actually, speaking of sleaziness and Timothy Leary related to Winona Ryder and Uma Thurman and all that, will they all tie together? Has Winona come to any of your gigs? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Shut up, Cedric. <laughs> she has. Yes, yeah, she has. <laughs> Shut up. What happened in the parking lot? I just want to say thanks for letting us keep all this stuff. <laughs> uh, thanks for letting us keep the records and the book. It's really great stuff. And... Well, winding up here, so Winona Ryder comes to the gig. She's allowed backstage. She showed up with a, a lady named Courtney Love who told us that we have a generational obligation of verse, chorus, verse. Sorry, Courtney. <laughs> so she shows up and is allowed backstage. What about well, guys? Forced, they forced their way in backstage. <laughs> she forced their way in backstage. She was pretty rude. What about guys? Is it true guys are not allowed backstage because they'll be bringing stuff like this to show you? <laughs> no, if they brought me stuff like this, they might be allowed, but generally they want to know about his five-level you know, pedal board. <laughs> and a little man will push. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so so no guys generally backstage? Well, we're around 20... 50 guys all day, so why would we want more? <laughs> well, thanks so much, Mars Volta. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Um, YouTube, pay me. <laughs> why should people care about Mars Volta? Why should people care? Um, I don't know. It's kind of like herpes. I guess you should just, you know, you should take care and check it out, and, you know, it's going to be around, and it grows, and it spreads, so... Well, thanks much, Mars Volta. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. I just want to take this opportunity to thank all the people of the world who supported us. And Cedric, I want to thank you. You're I beautiful. I want to thank God. Yeah, I want to thank God for sure. And I want to thank the microphone. And thank you. I want to thank Little Mama.
You're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. That was the Mars Volta with Conjugal Burns from the Mars Volta's album, The Bedlam in Goliath. And before that, an interview with the Mars Volta. Coming up right now is the mentioned, the mentioned, yes, the mentioned previously Jarvis Street Review LP from 1969, Thunder Bay, Ontario, Mr. Oilman, all 13 minutes and 10 seconds of Canadian rock from Thunder Bay. Mr. Oilman, the Jarvis Street Review.
That's so cool.